0: Yeah, that's a is.
1: really really cool invention i think japan does does this it has kind of just like crazy inventions that no one else would think about um uh, but actually they're super useful because you know, why do you need a fan on your face you need it on your neck don't you so um that's exactly what, what is required. Um, so anyway, listen, let's catch up another time because we've actually gone live, Alla. Um, We're live, everybody. Welcome to Brain Food Live on Air. It's episode 211, bringing it to you every Friday. Um, and I'm super excited to be having this conversation with you today. Because it's a new kind of idea. Um, Always when we're doing Brain Food Live, we are bringing uh, recruitment professionals onto screen and we're learning from practitioners and vendors and all those types of cool guys. Um, But this time we wanted to do something different um, because uh, obviously we have seen some tremendous changes in terms of how artificial intelligence is influencing the world of work. And maybe no industry um, is changing as hard and fast as software engineering. Um, And so through conversations with my friends in the industry, one of the things that we wanted to discuss was, okay, if AI was gonna change how software engineering is practiced, does that then change the sort of skills that software engineers need to develop in order to be uh, the capable ones in the next era of how you build software? And if that is the case, um, shouldn't we as tech recruiters know about that? Um, because if the, the skills priorities start changing for what software engineers are doing, then our priorities will also change in terms of how we recruit for them. Um, and today we've got a brilliant show for us cause we're bringing on a bunch of people that are software engineers, and they're going to tell us all about their experiences with AI. And remember folks, they've been using generative AI probably about nine months of more than we have. Um, And of course, as the people who've been building this type of technology, they'll have much deeper knowledge and I think um, a a, a better handle as to how it might influence the future uh, than most other people. So it's gonna be a fascinating show. Um, But firstly, folks, as we always do, let's do some sound checks. Um, Let's make sure everyone can hear me okay. I'm in a different venue because my home office is destroyed with roadworks. roadworks um, and I, I have really bad internet. So I've actually booked uh, a room in a Regis office, would you believe? Uh, so I'm in one of those booths trying to do, it's only sound booths doing it, which I kind of like. I think it might actually be something I'll start to do because I, I kind of enjoy it. Anyway, um, let's do the sound checks. Can you hear me okay? I'm using a new mic. I'm using a, a kind of a, a new location. Let me know whether the, that sound is fine in the chat and comments. We should be live streaming this everywhere. So this is on my LinkedIn. It's on my Facebook, on my Twitter. It's on about a dozen people's LinkedIn as well. Um, So if you can kind of see it from those places, uh, let me know whether the audio there is okay as well. Drop me a line uh, and a comment into um, the uh, LinkedIn thread, and let me know whether you can hear me okay. I'm just gonna check on my phone whether I can actually see uh, whether I've gone live or not. Um, give me a sec. Grinding away. I'm still on 4G here. Yeah, it looks like I'm live. That's fine. Okay, great. Um, listen, um, we have upgraded Adam Gordon today, uh, clearly, as you can see, because um, uh, we've got Alla Pavlova to join us uh, to, to help us navigate this conversation. So, Ala, always great to see you. Welcome back to the show.
2: Thank you so much. It's always great to be here. Um, I will introduce myself quickly. Um, my name is Sal. I'm based in the Netherlands, in Amsterdam, beautiful city. Um, I'm a tech talent sorcerer at Riot Games, uh, training sorcers, being hands-on as well. And I know that uh, my mom is watching the show, so hey, mom! <laughs>
1: that's great hey miss Pavlova very nice to, uh, to, to to see you watching along um so Allah uh, great to see you as ever um let's have a look at the newsletter from last week did you read it and if so uh, what was interesting for you
2: so I just wanted to ask you like we started to receive a lot of notifications from Johan so um i I just want to make sure that the latest uh, news that I read was the issue 118
1: um, that really depends on what newsletter you're looking at. Um, because you know, I write, I write, I write two newsletters now. <laughs> so,
2: so can you tell us a little bit more? So which one should we read and how we navigate? We, because yeah, we,
1: we should be reading them all obviously. Um, but when we review the newsletter, we should be reviewing the one that was out on Sunday. So this should be the brain food, uh, recruiting brain food, uh, newsletter on Sunday. Um, so, I will look at that. Um, and actually, before whilst you hunt around for this, um, I've totally forgot, nearly forgot to thank our sponsors for this show. Uh, so let me use this segue to quickly do that. Um, I want to thank our sponsors. It is Code Signal. Um, they are the companies that are, are sponsoring this week's Brain Food Live. Bear in mind, folks, we can't run this type of show without the support of our sponsors. Um, and Code Signal have, have stepped up um, and said they wanted to uh, to help us uh, run this uh, show today. Everyone in software I'm sure knows, so CodeSignal, they're one of the premium software testing and assessment platforms out there. If you're hiring software engineers in any way um, and, you, uh, and you don't have a, a testing solution of some type, uh, then obviously use something like CodeSignal. That's gonna help you uh, get further uh, in your process. Um, they've also got some fantastic resources to help uh, tech recruiters get better. Uh, so make sure you avail yourself to their uh to their wonderful stuff um they're very community orientated business uh there's the sort of company i think that will do um uh, uh, do tech recruiters very well anyway check out code signal folks okay ala let's have a look um what do you yeah. want to talk about
2: yeah, a few things. So I'm not, I, I hope that I have the relevant one, the ones that I read the last ones. Um, so the first one is about the graphic designers reacting on the um, AI, on the, for, like, generative AI, for the graphic generative AI, and um, uh, so the thing is that uh, the, uh, I'm also looking a lot for the uh, designers and the people in the art industry, and this struggle a lot, and I, I know this topic is, is still hot, and I know honey, you also have your uh, opinion about it, but I, I have mixed feelings, um, so the ones. So, Oops, sorry, I'm going to close it, sorry, I got the audio going when I opened the link. Um, so basically the reaction of the uh, artists is that uh, it's great to have the technologies, but we are really suffering. So our job was uh, uh, jeopardized. We're being laid off or we, um, we created something that is uh, not unique anymore. And so uh, the the, the, oh, the overall feeling that I have from designers and the people in art, they are um, like not happy about the, the things that, Gordon, no. it's just me or it's frozen? No, I don't think it's frozen. No, you not frozen. Gordon?
1: I think I'm okay. Yeah, I think yeah, it's yeah. just
2: me. Hey, me too. So uh, there are like a lot of um, uh, reactions on TikTok right now and on Air, Air Station uh, trying to protect artists from AI, uh, but it is actually inevitable that AI uh, will be in any profession. So
1: you know what, what do you think? It's... It's actually really interesting. Um, I, I think that there's, there's actually going to be a report next week um, on Sunday about this, like the AI anxiety by by the creative profession. Um, and it is very telling that it's the creatives that it's probably surprising for us but the creatives have kind of felt the threat from AI first um, and probably software engineers pretty close to that um, because they're very intimately tied to the production of digital outputs. Um, And of course, generative AI, it seems to be most sort of uh, 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 applicable um, to this type of stuff. If you haven't seen it, by the way, folks, just jump onto any platform, Instagram, TikTok, whatever it might be, And just observe what's going on. Uh, You know, you're looking at um, sort of uh, a a, a Photoshop generative fill, I think it's called. Um, It's a remarkable kind of way of basically creating an image um, that would have previously taken a software uh, designer or a graphic designer many, many hours to have done. So it is uh, is very, very, um, it's very, very difficult um, for uh the creative talents i think to to have this moment but we can't relax because whatever they're feeling right now is going to um be felt by everyone else i think so it's going to be very very interesting for us um okay i'll like, give us some more i think there's there are some glitches yeah. i wonder whether it's still me in terms of like location I but i don't know nothing yeah. Let we can do know. yeah we just gotta roll yeah. forward yeah
2: yeah So um, another fascinating read that I'm really, really grateful for Johan, that you have, uh, that you collect in all the interesting reports is about the state of the tech, uh, uh, European tech report. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, I don't know if it's a term about uh, silent not hiring or something like that, but uh, it's clearly in this report stated uh, about the issues with the uh, financing startups and with venture uh, capitalists working right now with uh, um, investing in the company and um a lot of i'm not gonna of course name name names silent hiring silent not hiring to be honest because um uh, basically, uh, when I'm talking to recruiters, they uh, from the companies that are completely dependent on the, um, investments that uh, they say that uh, they post the jobs, but they're not actually hiring. And there are people who like really applied for the job, had the interview, but didn't get anything, um, like a really like generic reply. So that was very painful, but basically, um, a lot of people saying that in Europe, uh, uh right now, uh, the investments are not coming and, um, uh, a lot of, uh, startups they're not laying an awful lot of people, but they're also not growing. And they just like frozen. And this, this report is amazing. So it just shows really the numbers.
1: It, it's, it's a fact. I mean, the, the a description of what startup is often is that it's a, either a pre-revenue business or certainly a pre-profit business. It's, it's fed by investment funding to get them to, to, to build really quick um so that's a normal thing that they'll be operating uh without revenue without profit etc but it also means that they're very dependent on that cash uh coming in from investors who, who are predicting growth um and we've seen that that's really been chopped back um significantly over this period which basically means that they can't grow and therefore not doing so much recruitment which means cascading down to us and recruiting we doing less work um, so, or less of us are doing that work. And in fact, we've seen that with people coming into the market, uh, by the way, folks, if anybody's watching this and they're looking for work, let's say you're a, a recruiter and you're actually on the market, um, do get in touch with me or, you know, make sure you connect with everyone. We're going to do the LinkedIn share later on today, uh, later on in the show, but put your LinkedIn into the, into the comment threads, make sure that everyone connects with you here. Um, and, and sign up to the things like the brain food talent collective, for instance i'm trying to collect people who basically are actively uh, actively looking for work uh, and i'm pushing those people to companies that are saying that they're still hiring for recruiters so um, i'm not sure if it's effective or not but it's something we can try and do so let me just share the link there um uh, basically messages we're here to help if you're looking for work um don't do this in silence um uh, uh, there's gonna be tons of stuff going on which i think uh that's the jobs page um there's gonna be tons of stuff that um is happening events wise that i think can really help as well um uh, so make sure you just turn up to those events i was at an event yesterday and even though i didn't sort of use it as a you know leads generation sort of exercise things were still happening simply because i was present there um, and I think if you can be physically present to some of these events, go and attend to them. Um, and if you can't, then obviously things like Brain Food Live and other shows that are out there that are interactive and you know want to speak to different community members, go ahead um, and uh, and 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 make yourself like really visible in those spaces. Um, okay, Ala, listen, let's let's move forward because we're running out of time already. We're up fifteen minutes, so we want to try and bring on our, on our guests here. Um, Let's bring on some of our uh, techie guys first Um, and then we'll bring um, more of our recruiter guys later on. So let's bring on our friend Joshua Hoffman, who I think you know very well Um, and we'll bring on on, uh, Servan Constantino as well Um, and we'll see see what they say. Folks, let me know what you think. Are you speaking to software engineers? Um, What are they telling you about AI? How has their jobs changed uh, as far as their reports have gone? I'd be interested to know whether you have any developer friends and whether you've interacted with them um, because because, yeah, I, I found it really educational to have this sort of interaction. Um, and there's Joshua, at least. Josh, great to see you. Um, you're looking very well, sir. Magnificent beard as ever. Um, uh, Josh, um, why don't you introduce yourself real quick for the folks who don't know know you? Who are you? What it is you do?
3: Yeah, so I'm Joshua Hoffman. And thanks for having me. And all it great to see you again. Um, yeah, I'm the. actually now it has changed since we last spoke. I'm the CTO at Sharpest, which is a digital coaching platform. And we provide digital coaching, learning, and leadership development for professionals all around the world at, at every level. Uh, and we do it through a digital platform. So it is done wherever you are and we find the right coach and uh, we help people get better at whatever they want to get better
1: at fantastic stuff um and we also have Serban Constantino here as well Serban great to see you um uh Serban uh, uh, you can introduce yourself real quick um uh, uh, as you how, how you wish to introduce yourself go ahead man likewise
4: great to see you man uh so I'm sure um, I'm a product manager at the fine company and uh through a mutual friend again to know um I'm excited to be here uh excited to be talking to you about technology and how this kind going of to change recruiting but also many other spaces like software engineering product management and so on um i think it's a exciting moment and i'm hoping that's uh, um through the churn and through uh, all the pain that we uh, sort of discussed about a bit earlier um i think there's going to be evolution and there's going to be a, a brighter uh, side at the other end uh, so yeah looking forward to chatting to you folks about that
1: let's let's kick this off as, as a very broad way um i think I think it would be fair to say that where the, the software engineers were, were the first to encounter, substantively encounter generative AI at a professional context, because Copilot came out. I, I I don't know when it was a a year or two ago, right? It, it was it was actually mm-hmm. uh, well in advance of uh, a comparable software elsewhere, uh, and it kind of immediately created impact, didn't it? It was like a uh, it was like an asteroid hitting uh, the planet. Everyone's going nuts over it. Um, I I wonder whether for the folks who don't know, um, Josh, you could just explain quickly what Copilot is. Um, How would you describe it to a lay audience?
3: Yeah, I think the easiest way um, for anyone who's used Gmail, you'll notice it has this autocomplete feature. So if you're typing an email to someone and it tries to guess what you want to say next and suggests it, and then you can just hit space or enter and it, it autocompletes for you. Copilot is a very advanced, very sophisticated autocomplete just like that but for writing software, so for writing code. And depending on how well-known the thing you want to do is, so the more common the the task, the better it's going to be at doing it for you. You could even, for example, let's say you're writing some Python code, just write the name of a function and it could fill in the logic of that function for you, which is amazing. But I want to be clear. It is most effective at doing this again with common things. So if you're trying to come up with some really innovative new thing, it's not going to write it for you but that everyday autocomplete it's going to speed you up quite a lot
1: have you have you have you both used it I mean are you users of the sort of this of this software um what's your verdict on this guys
3: so I've used it experimentally uh but we currently don't allow it in the shop because we have some privacy concerns and some concerns about IP leakage Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm, I've, used,
4: I've used it a little bit, and, and actually I'll, I'll correct you a little bit. I think uh, I would say that some of these technologies have been around for a while, like the original Transformers paper uh, that OpenAI is based on uh, dates two or three years back. So some of these technologies have been around for, for a while. Um, I think the way I look at them is that um, sort of like um, in the evolution of human race, you've had tools along the way that helped you Uh, do things um, a lot easier, right? And and, uh, I think uh, Joshua was saying uh, that if you do a a genetic task, then you can do that task basically 10 times faster now. Um, And and I think uh, that's slowly being applied to other fields, right? Like we see now with Adobe Photoshop, we're gonna see it with other tools, I'm sure over the coming years, Uh, but primarily it applies to the things that um, are either tedious, or are they genetic right like not that the things that are specialized in some sort of way uh, so it's important to bear that in mind
1: yeah i mean it's not a miracle tool that's going to solve every problem um but it is it looks like it's going to remove a lot of the standard sort of work that a software developer would previously have had to let's say hand code in type in mm-hmm. um or drag in from a library somewhere or you know, oftentimes copy pe- copy it in, right? I mean, has has GPT replaced copy paste as as a, as, a, as just an action that developers perform? I wonder I wonder whether anybody's actually monitoring the the num- the frequency yeah. of copy paste function globally, and whether that's gone down as a result of GBT, uh, of Copilot uh, emerging. Probably it has some effect, right? Um, because um, you would imagine that. There's obviously errors in copy paste, um, whereas the copilot seems to be error free because it's running error free on the standard function. Let's say um, it's not going to do an accidental type error. Let's say it's not going to do you know uh, 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 no, a uh I'm not error. sure.
5: <laughs> <laughs> well, I, maybe we I, can. I, as plus
1: one,
4: that I plus one, that I, I'd say that uh, I work on a on a product that has a. Ecosystem of over three billion users um, and, and and millions of developers. Uh, the most common errors we see are the errors that are basically copy pasted from Stack Overflow. Um, if for those not familiar with Stack Overflow, that's sort of like the Quora for software engineers. Like you go there, ask a question, get an answer, those sort of things. Um, and I'm 100% sure that going forward, we're gonna see the most common mistakes again and again. At a much higher frequency, because now all the data that OpenAI and the Google models and, and all the other models out there use is based on public data that has uh, it's, this quirks, right? Uh, have
1: um, you, have you guys, like, um, uh, am I think both of you manage or lead teams or have done so in the past, right? Um, cool. uh, how have your how have your teams been using this? Have you given them? direction as to what they should or should not be doing or have you kind of have a laissez-faire approach to it and you know, hey we just want you to just be a coder if you want to use uh sort of uh technologies of this type great if not then also great um what's been your policy as a leader or a manager of, of software engineers uh joshua why don't you give this a go first
3: yeah great question um so my company we work of course with individuals but we also work with large enterprises and some are in highly regulated sectors so we have to have some strict policies around information security and so forth and this goes right down to the individual software engineer so definitely not a a laissez-faire attitude when it comes to tools we're pretty strict and they have to be approved to be allowed to be used um but of course people google uh you know and and stack overflow thing you know just to to briefly answer your previous question i think copy and paste doesn't change but visits to stack overflow go down because people are visiting <laughs> chat gpt instead um but what i number one principle for me before we talk about any assistive tools is that no software engineer on my team ever commits any single line of code they don't understand and cannot explain because this is how you get around the problem of i asked chat gpt for an example it gave me an example, I tested it, it seemed to work, I committed it, but I don't fully understand it. And a month from now, we have an incredibly subtle bug that uh, we're going to spend three days troubleshooting because it turns out that while this function seemed to work that ChatGPT wrote, there's you know some edge case where it doesn't work. And because the person who committed it didn't fully understand it, they, they would put us at risk. So always they need to understand every line of code before it
1: goes in would it be fair to say that the does that mean that let's say i'm anticipating the use of assistive technology would it kind of increase the pace of code production let's say in the sense that everyone's saying you know what it's increased productivity by whatever percent it, it has been but if you're saying you know what that simply means that we need to ha- increase the due diligence of the, the 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 volume of due diligence goes up because there's more code does that also mean that the the overall pace of production has been the same joshua or would you say actually it has speeded up a little bit or has it even slowed down as a result of you know the emergence of this technology
3: uh so great 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 question and in our case the diligence is the same right we have the same reviews going through any code submission uh, there's peer review and there's also all of the automated testing. We're going to do this no matter what, because we're very focused on high quality and not, not redoing things twice. What I would say is that these type of tools, they speed up the slower software engineers for sure, because they're getting, you know, the, the template code, the boilerplate stuff, the things that are the same in all projects. Um, and they certainly can assist the, you know, sort of very senior, very fast engineers, but overall. Not a huge change, uh, but for some people, it definitely picks up the pace because if you have to spend two hours researching something to figure out how to put this, you know, write this function or create this code that you need, and instead you can just ask ChatGPT or Copilot to write it for you, then you kind of have a much stronger starting point to even spend the time to understand it because it's kind of like, you know, the destination, you know, Google gave you the route, so you can see it now on the map whereas previously maybe you didn't even know the destination right and so having the information sped up is great uh, but it's a tool right it has to be used carefully and for those that really understand how to use it and leverage it it does make them faster but you're only faster if you're carefully
1: avoiding causing problems that you know then slow you down later you know very interesting sir so, let's go to you um how is your team adopting it i mean everyone's going to adopt technology like this in a different pace based on their attitude based on their capacity based on you know the 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 value set or whatever it might be even their style um mm-hmm. have you have you observed sort of the different adoption rate um of of, of your team of your team and uh, what has been the outcome from your assessment of their their quality of co-production has it gone gone up or down much of you
4: Um, I think what I would say is that um, I'm I'm somewhat privileged compared to Joshua, uh, just because I work uh, at a company that's uh, actually um, uh, leading some of uh, the the generative AI tooling and and leading some of the the work that uh, goes on here. So I actually don't have to worry that much about privacy, right? Because like some of these tools are internal to us, we're still developing them, we can play around with them. I don't have to worry about that part. But I would say that similar to what Joshua said, um, especially uh, the younger folks, uh, the more junior folks uh, benefit a lot because they can uh, more easily uh, figure out how how they can do the same thing probably in a slightly different way um, or how, how they can uh, basically get to do the hard stuff, right? Like sometimes it's difficult to get to do the hard stuff because you have all this boilerplate uh, um, code that you need to add around to get to that point. So I would say that, um maybe across the board the junior folks uh, have started using these tools and and are using them in in their day-to-day flows I think the more senior folks have been uh, skeptical because they get to that point where it's not any more generic what they're doing it's likely more specialized and they probably have seen more of the wrong answers than the 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 right answers Uh, but I think uh not just in software engineering, but in software engineering but also in other industries i think it's going to be important to do what what joshua said like how do you actually review the information that's given to you and make sure that actually folks understand that right it's going to be the same with images it's going to be the same with many other things uh, and i think that's probably where a lot of the tooling and a lot of the infrastructure is lacking today. Like, there's probably no way to actually tell that the code wasn't written by, by Joshua, but that was written by, uh, by a machine. And hopefully, uh, through the review, we, we come to a conclusion that uh, the folk that wrote it actually understands it. And and I think I wanted to make it uh, just just a slight segue. I was chatting about uh, the podcast, and I was chatting about uh, sort of what a, what perspective you folks might have with with a really good friend of mine. Um, that has been around for a while, uh, pretty senior in the tech industry. Um, and uh, he was telling me that back in the 90s, uh, like in the job interviews he was hosting, one of the key questions was like, how would you look for this? And people would be like, oh, I'll pull out the data manual, i would look through through it, find the right relevant pages, and then go and write that, right? And, and he wasn't looking for that. The right answer, he was like, I would use the uh, web search engine uh which was new at that point right so I think there's got to be an evolution where actually the folks that embrace these tools and use them uh as, as sort of like to to, to power up their uh, abilities are going to be at the forefront of um recruiting opportunities and, and opportunities in general right
1: do you think that's true Allah uh go to you on this do you reckon recruiters will end up I, I mean has, have, have you received instruction from any hiring managers to say you know what when you're hiring for t- technical people, I want you now to also examine their ap- aptitude or interest in generative AI. Has, has that happened yet or do you anticipate it happening at some point?
2: Um, I, I think we have a, a little bit of different, um, uh, let's say, um, uh, interest on the hiring managers uh, to make sure that candidates are not using generative AI. Uh, that Oops. Oops, I'm back. Yeah. Uh, so basically, the hard managers, they're more concerned, like, if uh, candidates uh, are using the generative AI to cheat on something, like, to, to pass the test or to do something that uh, they're not supposed to do or know, etc. cetera. Um, uh, it's not a requirement yet. I haven't seen, um, uh, like, where I am hanging out, uh, but I saw in some job descriptions um, uh, experience with ChatGPT GPT uh, prompts. And... Uh, it's also very interesting that it's becoming kind of a requirement for some jobs um, and so uh, some candidates receiving the tests uh, to show how to do the prompts uh, um, and not only for like uh, developers, but also for uh, recruiters as well, like if you're efficient uh, in doing their prompts.
1: Yeah, I, I think I think it, it'll be similar to the digitization wave. Um, you know, 15, 20 years ago, where you know people were just looking for. We need to digitize our companies. We're like, we the people going to hire everyone who's coming in needs to have some sort of digital, you know, interest because that's the quickest way we can do cultural change. I think AI will be the same. So you're going to have everyone who basically doesn't know too much about AI is going to say, let's just hire people. We think, we think they know something about it. So it will bleed into the requirement, even though it may not be directly. Uh, obvious how ai might be applied to the job function um that would be one way in which organizations i think will, will try and scale up um you mentioned a really interesting And this philosophically this is actually quite a difficult thing like at what what at what point does ai enablement becomes cheating um, so uh, i have a candidate Call it without AI is this type of person. But you know what? They actually live in AI all the time. They're using tools or whatever, comes in and produces this type of outfit. Amazing. Great stuff. Um, do we assess the entire do do we kind of assess the entire thing um you know do we expand the frame of our assessment beyond just the human being and say human being plus all the ai tools they're using or do we think you know what no because that person is using tools in Joshua's situation maybe they can't be using those tools in certain contexts we still need the core skill set so how have you guys thought about this? Like, what is the at what point are we comfortable with the usage of the tooling? And at what point do we think, nah, you're cheating on this? We're not getting the real assessment of your capability. Uh, thoughts on this? Let's go to you, uh, Joshua.
3: Yeah, I think um, I have thought about this quite a lot. And I really think it depends on the context and the job role. So, for certain jobs, it's just fundamental that you can come in and get the job done. And I would be happy for you to use whatever tools during the application process that you would also have access to in the job. And in some companies, there isn't a restriction on what you could use, you know, so it's no problem. Um, you know, I used to work for red hat in the training and certification group, and we had to certify people that they could achieve a certain level of performance at certain tasks. And the way that we did it is we had them actually perform the tasks. And we just, with a time limit we said, okay, a competent professional should be able to complete this work within two hours. And they come in under the supervision of a proctor, but they're given internet access. They're given, you know, whatever they might choose to use. And then the question is, can they really do it? And we're not testing, you know, did they do it the way I would do it, but we're just testing, did they do it in an effective way? And that's fine. I think that, so for me, I'm, I'm not too concerned about it, but it does mean that we really have to be thoughtful about how we screen people and how we test them.
1: Because you have to
3: create a situation where it's not, you cannot solve it by just, you know, pasting the question into chat GPT and then pasting the answer into the application, right? Because that is not, you, you haven't done much. I would just add that for me, the fundamental aspect of software engineering is not learning a language and writing code. The fundamental aspect is fully understanding the problem and being able to break it down into steps. That a computer can execute which can be expressed in the language that you're meant to be using which is very different if you think about it and yeah this is where you see the true you know senior professionals from folks who are great at using tools but can hit many walls without because if they don't understand what they're committing and the general journey through software engineering career is everyone starts junior everyone starts not really understanding and then growing and gaining and we all start with copying and pasting or looking at other examples. And at some point, you realize that the level of the public code on the Internet really varies in quality. And you may get a you know full implementation of what you need to do. And as you start reworking through it and trying to understand it, a light goes on. You realize the person that wrote this code did not understand fully what they were doing and once you, you you know that light goes on you could cut half of it away or you can simplify it or you can make it 10 times more performant you know whatever because you do fully understand it and so what i'm looking to do is yeah go ahead use Ch- chat tpt to generate that code but you're going to need to show me that you understand every line of it if you're going to pass this interview
1: yeah very interesting um so- yeah I, I agree i think it,
4: it it reduces down to like the the core principles and the the core um, qualities you're you're looking for in the ideal candidate. I think they stay the same. I think it makes assessment a bit more difficult. Um, And I think assessment to some degree needs to become a bit more abstract, right? Because the language is not anymore a barrier, maybe for many years in software engineering, knowing a particular language has been a barrier to entry. Um, and, and I think now as Joshua said, like if you're capable of reducing that this like whatever the question or, or task you' you're set to do in a couple of um, basic principles that you need to to, to solve, uh, then the AI tools can help you with the rest, right? Uh, but it's gonna make assessment a lot more difficult I think and, and maybe a lot of tooling that exists today is just not gonna add a lot of value in the future, right? Like some of the pre-screening, uh tests, I would argue that they probably add zero to little value uh in today's context. So that's probably gonna have to change to some degree.
1: Well, yeah, I mean I think this is not sort of isolated software engineering assessment either. It's like any kind of uh synchronous um, uh, testing cannot really be trusted right because we don't know how, how that was actually produced um, even these days with synch- synchronous um, you know we've seen mm-hmm. sort of the uh, the the cool little hacks where you know there's a uh, a voice to text transcription and a teleprompter coming out. And it's like, okay, you can't even trust a Zoom call um, because the person might actually be be basically be fed the lines to push out. And it's like, how can you make the assessment then? So it may well be, it goes back to the Red Hat type of pr- approach, Joshua. It's actually an in-person assessment. Um, uh, so in fact, um, we might need to do a lot more of the old school assessing, which means a lot more effort and work, but it's kind of the effort's been shoved this way where it may have been saved in the production aspect of it. So we produce more code, uh, but when we're assessing people and candidates, we actually have to do a little bit more work than perhaps we did pre-generative um, AI. Um, okay. Um, we need to move really quickly on because um, we want to bring some of our other guests on here, but let's, um, before we leave Joshua and Surban uh, from the show let's ask a final question uh which is how do you assist, how do you see the uh, work of software engineering changing um and is, is there going to be any shuffling of the skills that or traits that you would look for in a software engineer in an ai assisted world let's imagine uh project forward AI is gonna be ubiquitous, people are gonna use it because of the productivity gains. Does that actually then change the sort of people that we might be looking to hire? I would compare this similarly to, okay, let's imagine you're uh, 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 hiring for a sprinter. Uh, You know, you'd hire someone who's really good with calf muscles that look like this. Uh, Suddenly you invent like a bicycle. Um, You would still need an athlete, um, but you might actually look for a slightly different profile of athlete, given the fact you have now a different type of vehicle to help you go faster. Um, Any thoughts on this, guys? Uh, Again, let's go with you to kick off Joshua.
3: Um, yeah, I, I, actually think that it's going to cause a, a split and what that's going to be is there are some jobs that really the entire job is writing very standard code. Um, maybe you work at, you know, a bank and they have a huge system and you get tickets that say, you know, you, you need to deliver an average of this number, or you need to do that or whatever. These are jobs where someone who understands prompting really well and understands quality assurance can do very well uh, at because the models have great examples to learn from. So they're very able to produce this kind of code quickly, accurately, no problem. You're going to see, I think the split where the upper level of the job is going to be a lot more demanding and it's going to be more about people who really have a broad and deep set of skills. You know, the, the elite people that we see now are going to be more in demand because they're going to be the ones who maybe they're leveraging something like chat gpt maybe not but they're solving the novel problems the innovative challenges Uh, these tools are never going to solve those kind of problems for you at least not in the foreseeable future and i also just think that what we're seeing today is sort of the first attempt at these tools but i think it's going to dramatically change in the next three to five years in the same way that you might think you know if you bought a model t ford first mass produced car but if you didn't have a tool kit with you when you went out on a road trip and you didn't know how to fix it up when something went wrong or you just need to adjust a spark plug or the carburetor is a little jammed you you weren't going out for the drive right now we have cars that can pretty much drive themselves and so that dramatically changes your interaction with the technology in the same way though The jobs for the people who really get hands deep into it are not going to go away. I think they're going to be more specialized. So I I think you're really going to see kind of a stratification. You're going to have roles where, you know, basically AI jockey is the job rather than uh, software engineer. And then you're going to have really hardcore jobs that you need people who are deep into software engineering. If it's all right with you, I would like to offer a discount to your audience, Um, but I wanted to ask you first just on the the product we offer.
1: Hey, listen, absolutely. I mean, I'm all all for freebies and cheap stuff, uh, Joshua. So uh, if you have anything you want to say, go ahead and say it, man.
3: Cool. Um, Well, the link I posted earlier and I'll post again is is sharpest spark, which is our product for individuals. And if anybody would like to try it out, simply, and I'll put it in the chat, Joshua10 in all caps will get you 10% off. And the other thing I would like to extend, as I know recruiters talk to a lot of HR personnel, if you're interested in getting a referral bonus for referring our product, please send me an email, sharpest.com, and I'll get you your own code. And we set you up with free coaching as a reward for any referrals.
1: Amazing. Thank you very much. And by the way, folks, uh, as a, as a standard policy, I'm like totally up for like getting like cheaper stuff from people. So if any vendors out there want to chuck some stuff at the audience, let me know. I'm generally good with it. Um. Okay, let's go with you with the same question, Sirban. Let's say you're hiring for people in, an, in a future company or a new team or whatever. Has your mindset changed now when AI's arrived? Are you now saying, oh, you know what, I definitely want someone with this approach rather than that approach?
4: I think, uh, as Joshua said, um, that like what Joshua said resonates a lot with me. I think the easy tasks are, get, are getting even easier, right? So you either are very specialized, uh, and I think that the folks that are very specialized are probably going to add even more value in the future because arguably uh, the workforce is going to move elsewhere. And, and I can see that from the perspective of the software that I do, which is sort of like system software something that's very specialized, uh, something where Red Hat uh, does a lot of uh, work and there are fewer and fewer of those engineers. So I think that's going to be a very, very valuable skill set in the future. But more importantly, I think um, because we're going through this rapid evolution and I think what we're seeing today is going to be significantly different to what we're going to see in five years from now, just being naturally curious and, and naturally willing to take on new things and, and to challenge some of uh, the things you're doing today. Um, I think that's sort of like the attitude that we're looking uh, for the most, like the folks that are naturally curious, the folks that are willing to challenge some of the, 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 we call it the toothbrush test, right? Like why do you need to to brush in the same way we've done, done it for years? Maybe there's a better way
1: there there is a better way by the way you shouldn't spit out your toothpaste after you've brushed your teeth like never rinse that's 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 a mistake um uh, you simply go to sleep with your toothpaste in your mouth um, you <laughs> so so yeah that's 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 you know unconventional but it's true um okay uh great stuff guys listen we have to move on we're, we're gonna we're gonna get you guys back for a future show i'm sure this is a fascinating conversation we need to learn more about this world that is being built ahead of us uh so joshua hoffman great to see you sir hopefully we'll catch up soon um and serban wonderful to see you we'll catch up soon man
2: Thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, 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 while you're taking new people on the screen, can I show just a few AIs that I've been recently using? That um, uh, as a recruiter, you kind of uh, can benefit. Or later,
1: what do you, what do you reckon, guys? You want to see Allah demonstrate some AI tools? You let me know in the comments. Um, I'm gonna leave it up to you. See how oh, excited you now
2: are. Now we do, this. now we do it this way, right? So, okay, dear yeah. audience, do you, would you like to see a few tools that I've been playing with?
1: yeah you need to comment guys because you know it's it's gonna be up to the public vote here um uh, let me have a look um oh we've got no takers Allah. i'm afraid oh we have some people saying yes i was gonna say of course we have yeses um all right ivan and oleg we're gonna bring you on in a bit okay but we have to have um Allah do some demos here it looks like it's just um, super
2: quickly yeah you see okay. a lot of yeses yeah
1: We've got one note. Michael, thank you for being um, a person prepared to speak against the crowd, uh, but we're gonna see this real quick, okay? Go ahead.
2: Yeah, yeah. So uh, do you see the screen? Yep. Um, uh, so basically it's one of the really, really fun AIs that I recently learned from software engineers. How do I get um, uh, to know which, uh, um, uh, let's say, um, sorry, where's the link? Um, uh, which AIs are popular right now and software engineers are using. I'm uh, subscribed for the to- tool on to read. So I'm going to drop the link for the newsletters, and they're giving you all the new AIs that are really, really right now, 4 minutes read, one-minute read. It really gives the idea of what is going on in the market. So basically, this one is really fun. So it uses the AI, and you can generate uh, the mind maps um, That's you can like adjust yourself, but just look for the results. For example, what are the AI tools uh, that could be used for recruiters I just click on this magic button, and it started to pop up. So you can really improve it yourself. You can do whatever you like, but it's generated for you. And some of them I actually recognize and I use them before. And every time, like uh, when I like really think i'm how could I make my life a little bit easier? Uh, so this this tool proves that, for example, what type of automations from Airtable I can use, and this is like really boom boom boom, making the list. So um, it could be really helpful just for like making the first list and adjusting things like super super nice um and another one um... on, that's
1: that's really cool so it's basically like a Miro uh with the with, with a chat interface um and essentially yeah, yeah. i can pr- i can ask it whatever it, i can it prompt it uh to do something and it will actually generate you a mind map i mean that's awesome uh yeah, so um, you can have like,
2: scraping tools uh like how to clean the data etc so it's used the uh like the chat gpt insights uh and uh, it's just like helping you to really you can ha- make the whole presentation out of it and this is very fun for me because it's really saving a lot of time and i asked like what tools uh, i can use for github to find the email addresses and it's immediately generated to me things and now oh my god i forgot about Snowvio, and um it has a free uh, version this is also important to show the tools that have free versions because it's also like, I don't know how we're gonna pay for everything right now. So I'm subscribed for so many things. Yeah, it's a whimsical.com. Uh, it's free uh, for some um, three boards that's more than enough and uh, shareable and it's a very, very fun. So really, and for those who are really try to understand like what is going on with their um, productivity and or they're preparing some kind of uh, um, uh, tutorials, this tool uh, scribe.com is really whole. So how sorry.com is uh, basically recording your computer. So you click on the capturing and for example, you're uh, doing the patch of GitHub or you're sourcing for the candidates. And then it's giving you like the whole, um, uh, screenshots uh, with highlighted things where you spend the time. And so it, it can be like nice tutorial step by step. So if you're creating some kind of tutorials for your team, uh, it's, it's really amazing the last one also free called engage ai super fun it's helping you to write down the nice comments on linkedin posts and i think that's a lot of us uh, like commenting right now a lot on linkedin so it could also automate to make for you uh, some of the work um yeah so Nothing bad news in using the AI, but uh, de- definitely is still uh, you add a little bit for personalization. You add a little bit of your uh, thoughts. You have to correct things as well. But it's really saving you time on some basic searching. And uh, yeah, so uh, you know, when the, you want to promote yours, yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, the engage AI, I think, um, um, will be particularly useful for actually responding to to maybe comments from your own post, I, I wonder, um, because... Um, and oftentimes the response, I mean, if it evolves that level, it would be really good because oftentimes responses are standard. Um, like your responses to other people's responses are sometimes even more standard than their, than their original comment. Um, and that's still typing time. Um, so I wonder whether that may actually be a future, way in which that works anyway folks really fantastic to see those tools it might actually someone should be doing a show on this uh, if you're out there wondering what to do as a podcast or a live stream why don't you do like a weekly show highlighting three like technologies uh, that are useful people will watch that um okay uh let's keep going uh, we're going to bring on oleg and ivan um thank you so much for being patient guys um uh, let's see um uh these guys both techies but basically a little bit more on the recruiting side also um so this is going to be a really good kind of like bridge back into the recruiting world oh folks by the way we I totally forgot to do this but we, we can't we can't forget to do this we have to come off air at some point obviously um uh, but it's important for brain food live is a show that continues the conversation um doesn't ever become a bottleneck so the conversation stops Uh, so why don't everyone just take a moment and stick your linkedin url into the chat stream on crowdcast if you're watching it here uh, or if you're watching it on any of the linkedins out there which is about a dozen people broadcasting this show by the way the most we've ever had um, take your linkedin url and put it into the comment thread where you're watching it and then make sure you just connect with everyone else who you see do likewise Uh, worst case scenario you're going to walk away with 50 new connections that care about this topic Um, and then go ahead and just have this conversation offline or if you want do your own broadcast and do your own conversation all good uh make sure that you're thoroughly connected in this crazy world that we have um okay as we're all doing that that's fantastic uh let's say hello to our friends thanks for being patient by the way you two um let's go with you first ivan um lovely shirt by the way i love the canary yellow uh, one of my favorite colors um uh, can you introduce yourself who are you what is you do you're on mute by the way
0: Yes, uh, so uh, we uh, know each other, I think, since 2016. I appreciate the compliment. I can try to wear it any time now. So uh, basically, uh, I do recruitment uh, since over eight years, right, Hong? We know each other a long time. And uh, for the most uh, time, I do IT recruitment in Switzerland and build tools around it and also write content on LinkedIn and Twitter about recruitment stuff that actually works, sometimes a little bit controversial, but most of the time, Uh, i try to be very practical
1: just sometimes controversial um okay follow ivan on twitter if you want a few laughs um but you gotta you gotta you know you got to light your mustard, basically, um, uh, because he's going to give it to you properly. Um, OK, by the way, Ivan, um, uh, as a quick segue, Ivan bore witness to the very first attempt at an automated recruiter, which is the hackathon team that I actually represented and somehow came second. I still can't get over it. Um, it was clearly the best product. Um, complete disgrace that we didn't win that competition. Anyway, uh, let's, uh, let's uh, introduce uh, Oleg. Oleg, great to see you, sir. Um, what have some time with you um, and the rest of the crew in Barcelona, so great to see you online. Quickly introduce yourself, who are you, what it is you do?
5: Uh, sure, so I'm running a company called ToughBite and uh, we're a recruitment agency that's trying to build a tech recruitment platform. So in addition to having like a team over 30 recruiters, we also have uh, 10 developers and I'm kind of in charge of the product side of things. So I'm actually kind of using these AI tools that we're talking about uh, today.
1: Uh, Yeah, Yeah, this is why I wanted you two on screen together because I think you both kind of bridged uh, the the recruiting side with the technology side and it kind of takes us into the the recruiting world very nicely. So the premise of the conversation was really look, do we think that AI is gonna change the activity of software engineering. I think broadly thinking, we we think it will, um, in which case, okay, what will engineers be doing and what skills or traits are are gonna be more important for those folks? And then of course, how does that translate to what we need to be thinking about when we're hiring these people? Um, So let's talk about sort of the sort of um, skills you think will be reshuffled, if you like, for a software engineer. Uh, Firstly, Oleg, I wonder whether you could tell us, like, in your team of developers um can you see any like differences in terms of the people that have adopted ai compared to the people that haven't i mean how 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 do you read it as a manager ceo of of a group of developers
5: yeah so um i think only one or two uh developers out of our team of 10 are like actively using copilot um and um so so yeah there's certainly a bit of apprehension especially among the more experienced developers to try it out because i think like one of the earlier speakers was saying that you know they feel that you know the output it gives can't be relied on and they feel like they can do a better job so uh you know they're not using it as much as i think they perhaps should be but in in general yeah it's uh, an interesting situation within our team and that i feel like more more of the developers in our team should be using it so like i'm constantly trying to like educate more and kind of nudge people towards using these tools more and more in their day-to-day work why do
1: you want them to use it more
5: uh well because i'm hoping that by using uh more they'll be more productive and hence they'll be able to get stuff done faster but uh, you know or then they'll have more free time during the day and hence won't be as stressed out
1: yeah and by the way very interesting isn't there a pattern here where the more experienced people are more resistant towards using technologies of this type there's actually been some studies um outside of the world of software engineering which is kind of uh, uh, provided further evidence that to that case where gpts um and ai is most valuable to the least skilled um because yeah. they basically it gets them to a level faster um when they don't have I mean a, a very good example of this is language like for instance someone who does uh, is not a native language speaker in language a um can use gpt to immediately produce copy that is a native of that language and then use it um so whereas someone who's already at that native level perhaps doesn't see the same value Um, so it's really going to help people, uh, with less skill, less experience, not so much with the senior folks, or maybe a percentage of that is also resistance due to fear. I'm I'm not really
5: sure I, I agree with that completely though. Um, so I think, um, so I've, I've spoken to senior developers like elsewhere, not working at our company. And, um, what I see is that, um. For example, if you're a senior developer who's more of a generalist, and let's say you've worked in one programming language, and all of a sudden, for whatever reason, you need to start a project in another programming language, actually, in those scenarios, uh, you know these tools are actually extremely helpful uh, because you know like the basics of programming, you know how systems work, you know you know about APIs and so on. So just like translating that to a different language uh, without knowing the the standard library that the language has and so on, it becomes a lot easier all of a sudden. So You know, even though I agree that the more senior developers are like more reluctant to adopt this technology, I actually feel that it would benefit them more. And actually, the juniors are ones that um, um, where the initial benefit seems quite high, but the actual practical applications of AI are rather limited. And the reason is that as a junior, you sort of developer, you don't know what you don't know and hence there's this sort of temptation to just uh you know take whatever uh you know gpt and these other tools uh, give you a value and just copy paste it in and if it gives you the right results in a certain context not really trying to dig deeper understand why is it giving you the answers that it does and hence the code you'll produce will actually be worse and that'll come to bite you back sort of uh, later so i think that juniors uh not all juniors are going to benefit from ai necessarily some some could actually like uh, make it more difficult uh make things more difficult for themselves
1: you know more the more times people talk on this show the more obvious that we are starting to uncover some quite fundamental relationships we have with technology um, and one theory is that technology is fundamentally a de-skilling of uh, a, a human activity or human skill. It, it re- replicates the skill or replicates the output that you would previously require a lot of skill to use. Therefore, you become dependent on it. Therefore, you will actually lose the skill over time. Um, similar, I think Joshua was mentioning, you know, the idea of being a mechanic in a car. Back in the day when the 4 T first rolled out, probably you needed to have lots of mechanical skills in order to functionally operate the vehicle Um, these days the thing drives itself like you don't need any skill Um, you just need a lot of money you sit in the car and instruct it to go someplace so we kind of got to get used to the idea that perhaps um, we're going to move into a world where a lot of the things that we previously valued and thought were skillful and we treasured building those skills it ends up being the case that actually ai will replace the need to develop the skills in the first place it's an it's a a process of de-skilling which carries its own uh, sort of dangers um ivan let's go to you you're still coding actually as i understand you're still building <laughs> stuff right um so so tell me about how you're interacting with uh, with gpt's at all i mean uh, what, what, how are you using this
0: yeah so basically probably everyone uh, has uh, wrote a tweet with it or tried to correct the tweet uh, me including, some. sometimes the result is good, sometimes it takes more work to actually correct the output of ChatGPT than write it from scratch. And um, with programming, it's pretty similar, right? Um, with like any technology, it's basically like that. Uh, my uh, prior boss, when I was still employed as a programmer, um, he would uh, not use a technology which is called the 10-finger system, um, which makes you type, of course, super fast, right? uh he would use literally two fingers however out of 50 people he still was the best programmer the most productive one the most creative one basically the one with the biggest output and i'm quite sure uh, well uh the biggest return on investment in in this specific company so we see that like tech which is you know sometimes super obvious I, and when i was work, when i was working there i was like his subordinate, right? But I told him, like, after, like, I don't know, two weeks working there, I'm like, hey, Marcel, use two ten fingers, you'll type faster, right? And he refused. So, uh, you know, um, some things, they are just, you know, coding is so complicated and you have, like, a million things that matter um, that, well, uh, you won't be surprised, right? And before, uh, Joshua said that, like, the real skill, right, is really breaking down problems and then making a machine solve them so this is the actual skill right and um this is definitely what you learn in the first uh, term in uh, computer uh, introduction to computer science in any university and this is what joshua who is like having 30 years of experience in coding says also so my twitter is actually not meant to be controversial but like going to the fundamentals right and coding here also you have to like you know these things could make you forget about the fundamentals and i'm a bit scared that like junior developers they might you know never then be you know pushed to this that you
1: have to really like understand how things are and not just you know copy paste
0: uh, something
5: right
1: How important is that? I mean, this is similar to mathematics and calculators, I I feel, Um, whereby prior to the existence of a calculator, lots of us had like really good arithmetic skills, really, probably much more fluent understanding of basic operations um, uh, without the use of a device. Now we have the device, we kind of forgotten about it, but we kind of it's a kind of a world still spinning right um are we not going to have the same situation with, with software like are we just clinging on to stuff because we fear losing losing it um even though we potentially got evidence where we have lost skills and it's generally being fine
0: I mean a designer recently told me that for example they uh, do very uh, like print actually print design it's very like out of trend but people there are like companies that just do print right and this is a founder of such a company, she has like four people. And she's like, Yes, you know what? Uh, this AI stuff, it removes uh, the manual work to make like a shadow go away or to put some glasses on someone. And um, yeah, that's a real like uh, fear of this, right? So, like this, you know, um, mechanic work goes away. But then I was like, Okay. But can't you then, you know, focus more on the customer's needs and then uh, do more strategic stuff? I think this is really the core truth here, right? Because a mathematician is also not defined by the ability to say 2 plus 2 times 300. (laughs) It's not the skill of a mathematician, you know? The skill of a mathematician is creativity, like come up with proofs.
1: Yeah, it's fascinating. I, I wonder whether you've got any thoughts on this. Um, the, the idea of uh, AI or any kind of te- form of technology becoming so useful that it does, in fact, replace uh, not only the function, but also the, the idea that you need to learn the skill. Like, we like will end up not being as good simply because this thing can do it for us. Um, how do you feel about that? Do you think it's okay? Or do you think, actually, no, we, we really need to learn the fundamentals here?
2: I think for us let's say for kudos and for sourcers uh these technologies are complementary so we by not knowing some of the basics how these technologies were created we still can benefit a lot from them um in a way i also like totally support that fundamentals we need to understand how things are uh, done and so how they're connected with each other why we have frameworks why we have um um, uh, cloud technologies this kind of things uh but AI's, um in a way so what i've noticed um Uh, In recruitment, please correct me if I'm wrong. uh, When it just appeared, I thought. It's going to solve a lot of problems and it's going to be used for everything. But it's very different with software engineers. I think they have a very precise scenarios when they're using it, and they're very skeptical. You know, gpt is not going to replace developers because it's still like a very junior, it's very buggy and it's uh, hallucinating a little bit. But then recruitment it was, oh my God, it's so exciting. It's going to be a really replacing things. And I've heard so many times that resourcing is going to be uh, automated and uh, completely replaced by AI um i'm waiting for this day i will be very happy so because it's gonna free me from something else i see everyone i was j- j- jumping uh, so please go ahead go ahead
0: no yeah because the topic recruitment right i i like the, i think ai is great it removes a lot of bullshit completely i had just recently a new uh, prospect they are like yes and your candidate needs to send a cover letter alongside to this 400 other things And it's like this automated coding test. It's the same category of stuff where we always knew this is bullshit. The cover letters, they are all complete, the same sound, the same, I want to work here because you look like a good company. And now, companies can't ask for this stuff because they know this will be like written by chat gpt so this is amazing like this hopefully will go away and if you're like a recruiting consultant then you can say the hiring manager who's a little bit weird because how can you ask for this stuff i mean really it's annoying um you can just tell them hey the candidate will anyway write this with chat gpt how about we not ask this or stupid coding tasks that the person has to do like in four hours in their free time for free you can just say hey uh, like, don't do this right so don't, stop.
1: don't, don't stop. ask this stop stuff stop press but yeah, i've just got to interrupt uh, Ivan, because you've just introduced an idea that's really really powerful uh, and i want to make sure that i understood it correctly but also people kind of underline this as well like maybe in terms of assessment joshua mentioned it earlier and serban also like our assessment is going to change one of the ways in which we must evolve our assessments is we've got to ask questions that cannot be adequately answered by gpts um because if it can maybe that's not a great question to ask because essentially a generic response would would suffice or an industry standard response will suffice and that doesn't really tell us what we want to know about this person um so have a think we probably need to refresh even at interviews we probably need to refresh kind of the the sort of questions we like to ask people um okay let's focus about sort of the um the sort of skills that you think a software engineer will will become more important in an ai enabled world so let's imagine that ai becomes um ubiquitous i think the production of of code a a great deal of it seems to be ai generated again you look at copilot stats Forty-six percent of code on, on on GitHub was was uh, uh, generated by uh, Copilot. I think in February twenty twenty-two, um, only about three months later, it went up to something like forty-seven percent. Uh, what it what it is now? Who knows? Probably sixty plus. So let's imagine a world where the actual production of code, whether respective whether it's good or bad, the actual production of code becomes more dominated by. Um, AI generated code, how does the, how does the skill of a software engineer change? Um, What are your thoughts on this, um, Oleg?
5: Right. So uh, to kind of connect this to the earlier discussion um, and then something that Joshua said as well, I think, um, you know, developers uh, always have to like learn new stuff. It depends on which sort of type of development that you do. For example, if you do front end development, you have to learn a new framework like every six months. If you're doing enterprise development, you know maybe the rate of uh, sort of uh, uh, progress is a bit slower there. But I think that um, that ability to learn uh, is going to become increasingly more important going forward. And also like the element of curiosity that Joshua mentioned is also going to be more important because um, that will allow you to sort of um, apply your skills to multiple different types of problems. And hence, I think actually like um there'll be more demand for generalists in general because a a generalist uh who kind of has a good understanding of how the full stack works knows where technology can and should be applied uh will just be able to do a lot more with the help of these tools that is not to say that specialists won't be needed but i think like people that specialize say in only one programming language uh they'll have a hard time because like a generalist as i said earlier could easily pick up that language very quickly yeah specialist yep. that that knows something very specific like uh that very few people know uh, obviously will still be valuable but i think that we'll just have more generalists and it'll be harder to be a specialist going forward um yep. and then also i think another thing that'll sort of be important is like sort of communication and social skills because at the end of the day software development most of the time you know you're not sort of working in a vacuum you're trying to solve some sort of a business problem and um, understanding what that actual problem is um you know being able to do that being able to extract the requirements is going to become more and more important so that you're not sort of writing code for the sake of writing code but rather writing it to solve the actual problem and uh yeah i think we're still a long way from like ai being able to uh, sort of do that and there's memes going around as well saying that you know uh, i can't remember exactly the text but you know in order for AI, uh, you know, to take our jobs, uh, it'll have to understand what our customers were actually want. So that's not likely to happen anytime soon, because oftentimes the people with like the business problem aren't able, even aren't able to sort of articulate the problem themselves in their own head properly. Um, that's a very real problem.
1: Um, the, the ability to understand the problem, there is a need. They don't quite understand what it is. And I say they, but we would, This includes recruiters often because we're often buyers of stuff. And we don't quite, you know, we, there's a pressing me, we can't ex- express it. Um, <laughs> so we don't know what we don't know. And that's not going to be solved by anything because the AI doesn't know. Um, and in fact, when we do know, um a lot a lot of that knowledge is actually not documented and of course all of the information that AIs are trained on is documented data um so it's undocumented data that human beings have always got us an advantage on and when we interact in person or we interact in some way to exchange to get a deep understanding what that problem is a great deal of it is reading in between the lines folks uh, recruiters know this very well um you know when you're speaking to a candidate you're not just like listening to the words you're listening to what's behind the words why is he or she saying these things oh it's that reason that they are not comfortable to share right now but it's your kind of intuition that tells you you know what you got to probe a little more to understand this scenario again none of that is it's not aiable because it's not documented um so i think there is where he, i think we're starting to see the contours of this future where human beings need to lean towards. Um, and it's towards inf- sort of the areas where lots of information is exchanged, but in an informal and often intangible non-documented way, that's where we would, we call it intuition, but that's really just a uh, uh, an outcome of unconscious information processing, right? If you look at what intuition is, it's because we've processed information somewhere, we just haven't put it in our conscious brain to 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 do the processing. Um, So even we may not be that conscious of the fact we've processed that information, but the intuition tells us, hey, I need to check up on this candidate because you know what, usually, there's a reason why i feel uncomfortable with this i'm putting an extra call to this guy uh okay um what about the sort of skills we need to be hiring for as a software engineer it looks like curiosity was one of the things that everyone's been mentioning like the openness for, for new uh, is there anything else that you think is is going to be relevant um for you know the future requirements let's project forward two three years down the line um what are cto's going to be asking tech recruiters to look for um thoughts on this uh, ivan and uh ala feel free to contribute to this well as well as you all like uh but let's uh listen to uh, Ivan first
0: so joshua said there is this like um prediction of his that like you have the legacy banking stuff uh, this will go away and then you have the cool innovative stuff this will like ever are always be needed such skilled creative people i do agree that like in banking you have like a lot of s- scripts or simple if else statements while loops this is all true uh, but a little bit I disagree, I allow myself to disagree with this super experienced men um, in the sense that there is a lot in banks or this old legacy tech, yeah, you have a lot of tested knowledge, right? So you have, as you said, hung, un- undocumented data, you have a lot of things where like you can't really, and of course, it's not open source, right? It's like you can't have the like big algorithms, open AI, like work on it. Is anyway a problem? But you have these people who know like a million things. They work in this bank for 30 years. And for them, yes, they put if else somewhere, but like they need the 30 years working there to be able to put this, right? So this is really hard stuff. So my uh, feeling is this will like, you know, stay there for some time. So like, I mean, legacy and this boring stuff, it's actually quite, you know, you need a lot to know a lot of stuff. And the cool stuff like this open source, yeah, this gets easier and easier. Like, 20 years ago, you would not use, all even more, I think, you would not use Java, you would use, like, C++, and there you needed like, to take care of pointers. Like, to not, like, you would have to take care of a lot of details not contributing to the business. But now, software development, it abstracts away so much stuff, automates everything that you, like, can more and more focus on the business. And this is definitely a skill, right? Like, really, the skill, like, what does business need? And what do we need to do like to get like value out of this right and then to apply the fundamentals this breaking down and then rewriting the code that solves the problem right this is the, you know, this because this is I try to communicate on Twitter this right that you have some skills, they are not gonna change and you need those and to work on those it's really, really hard and you need like 30 years for that. So in, uh, yeah, this would be my
5: conclusion, right.
2: Just- just to add a few thoughts uh, or to that, um, I think the skill that was always uh, important, but it's going to be important right now, is adaptability. So we need to adapt uh, and um, really ex- exploit uh, the uh, technologies that are given to us. So not to be afraid, not to be uh, any attached emotionally to it. it it's a technology, so it's created by other people to solve some kind of problem. so Definitely adaptability will be one of those. And I think in tech uh, recruitment, uh, specifically uh, analyzing data and uh, making sense out of this um, is going to be important skill. So we all kind of will be a little bit data analytics, data scientists in a way uh, to keep up with the, uh, all the changes that are happening. So that would be two skills that I will add to the uh, recruitment bucket
1: no very very interesting observations uh oleg final word to you man i mean what what do you think about the uh the future skills if you like that are going to be top priority uh as a as a hire of engineers right you're going to be a person that's recruiting these people to your team okay great what are you be looking for uh, uh that you can add to it to what ivan
5: and ala has said yeah so maybe to sort of uh continue from what was already discussed i think like uh yeah understanding the business problems so having i guess a so-called product mindset will become increasingly important sort of yeah as Ivan said there's a lot of stuff out there nowadays so oftentimes and you know it, it's said among developers that the most reliable code uh that you write is the code you never write so like knowing which existing solutions to use and when to like use off-the-shelf solutions or third-party APIs or libraries rather than actually writing it. I mean, that'll be important. Uh, But also another thing that I think will be important given like that it seems that the future we're heading towards is becoming like uh, less and less certain is the ability to sort of experiment and have like a, a kind of experimentation mindset whereby you don't make any assumptions about you know, whether even the problem you're solving is a valid problem. But the way you approach the software development is is by sort of building some sort of a MVP small thing you test and then and then like getting it out there quickly to then see if it sticks, if people use it the way you thought they would and and so on. Yeah, very interesting. You
1: know what, from the conversations we've had today, it seems like you know if we pulled out all of the the top priorities or skills or traits that we would look for, for the future engineer. They actually look very similar, I think, to the current engineer. That's the optimal engineer that we're looking for. Um, It is about curiosity, problem solving, Business acumen, understanding of the the wider problem, not just the technical focus, uh, adaptability—you know, the ability to, to kind of not be wedded on one solution. Um, so it, it could well be that you know this is a pattern for what we're looking for. It's not a revolution per se in terms of uh, the type of person that will succeed in uh, software engineering. Even if the even if the production of software does become a, a revolutionary change, it seems that the people that are elite today will probably still be the elite people tomorrow.
5: Um, well, what's what's scary, I think, is that with these tools, you know, I think the sort of the idea of the mythical ten x developer or maybe even a hundred x developer will actually, you know, become uh, come come true. You know, so by using AI, the, the good developers that understand the business problems and so on will just become better faster more efficient and so on so that's kind of something that's potentially a little little bit scary in in, in the future that we're facing
1: we certainly i think there will be extraordinary developers that can go to the level that perhaps we've never seen before i think we've already seen some evidence of this already where there's certain indie a certain solo indie hackers that are around that basically can produce 1000000 multi-million dollar businesses using technology and producing technology products, pretty low-fi you know, B2C stuff, um, but one person uh, as a software engineer, no sales, no marketing, no nothing, can actually produce a very, very profitable business. And we'll probably see more of that. Um, and in fact, as a wider topic, uh, you see a lot of people uh, perhaps becoming disillusioned uh, with the, the, the vc t- back tech world um, emerging into the market. I think a lot of those folks will either get jobs if they wanted them, uh, but I, I, I dare say a fair few would also be thinking, you know what, uh, with all of this tooling available now, maybe it's time for me to build something else and go off my own sort of uh, basis. Uh, so we should see lots more technology startups opening up. They'll just look like different startups because suddenly they're going to be one man a one person bands or they're going to be three people doing it uh whereas previously they may have uh, thought about building a team of 10 50 people to do it um okay folks we're well over time so we have to close it off there uh thank you so much to our guests oleg you have a good day sir you should be on holiday after today i believe um so um, fact,
5: i am already i don't know if you can see outside but i'm by Lake here so.
1: you are obviously <laughs> not in helsinki so yes um enjoy your holiday thank Thanks for spending some of your holiday with us uh oleg um let's catch up when you're back uh, at the ranch uh but do chill out for the next four weeks or so um and ivan wonderful to see you as always uh let's keep talking we'll chat soon okay um yeah, thanks like for good me. stuff um okay guys we have to let it go ala thank you for hanging on so long i know you've got busy stuff to go but we've no, <laughs> no worries
2: oh han i yeah. forgot to show one more one more tool uh will you allow me to do that or you would like to share to close the the show i can put what,
1: it what do you phone. want me to do obviously I've, I've got to allow you to do it i'm i'm, I'm too <laughs> much of touch go on what very quickly there's only 50 people watching it right now but
2: 50 it's it's great i love i love 50 is great so this is the only people who are going to get the link
1: but you know what this um, is this is like this is like the uh you know the after the marvel movies there's always after the yes credits, there's always exactly who
2: left mm-hmm. so this they have the reasoned out okay let's so, yeah, basically, this is the AI that's creating presentations for you. So, if you have a ma- meeting, and you need to, like, have some kind of a little bit of generic, but some some good uh, slides uh, before you need to go. So, this is the tool for you. It's could create the web page. It could be presentation of the document. So, um, you use the topic. So, for example, um, uh, make a presentation, presentation about how recruiters can use chat gpt so it's going to be very very something generic i i just put it on now and it's making suggestions so uh, i can change it but yeah what is what is Chat gpt uh, advantages using for screening using for interviewing using for candidate engagement using for blah 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 so continue uh it's a yeah super i will you surprise me so you can use any of the yeah good it's okay so sorry uh i don't uh, so let me choose this one continue so now it's going to create um the whole presentation this is my hands advantages of using so co effectiveness blah 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 data wow. screening questions uh implementing charge for interviews time so if you need to go for the meeting and you really have nothing <laughs> so, up so for you and i think it's gonna bullshit your way in some kind of uh, thing oh, uh, oh my god <laughs> so yeah
1: oh my god i want to say yes to every invitation i have to do a talk and just use this at last minute um literally was it gamma gamma app Uh, gamma.app, that's crazy. That's crazy how it's actually.
2: It's very, and I can change the team if I didn't like it. I would be okay. So now I have two minutes before the meeting, so I'm gonna play with it a little bit so I can replace things. and It's free, actually, it's free. So, uh, you can get credits by inviting people. So that's well, I will do I will share the link so maybe people share, will share
1: follow. the link. I, I actually want this um because I think I'm that will check, definitely please. yeah, I'll definitely change. I mean I was actually surprised at that slide. If you go up just a little bit. Oh, um, oh, oh sorry, I'll go
2: back, okay? Yeah, yeah,
1: real quick. Um the 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 timeline piece I will, or, or the one where you actually drew it out, this one here, I was surprised at this display i thought okay great it's just putting out text and image text and image text and image but then it actually goes out and starts breaking it down into some sort of uh, uh some sort of timeline even though it's not particularly a timeline it's just a display um idea that is really quite cool and in fact if you were to try and you know do this on canva let's say um you'd be drag and drop type stuff for ages it'll it take you like 20 minutes to put that thing together so yeah amazing it did-
2: 10 seconds, it was uh, done. So really, like if you have just two minutes before the meeting, so it's using ChatGPT to generate so the slides, so the ideas, so let me drop the link uh, so that people can use it. But yeah, I forgot to show it. So it saved me so right. much time. All
1: you're going to have to do your own show. That's it. No no, no only, more, only no, more yeah. no more, invitations to bring through live. You're going to do your own show and you're going to do basic demos of this type of stuff. Everyone, Everyone watch it like everyone will watch it i guarantee you um, all right listen, I gotta, you
2: promise to visit yeah
1: i gotta let you go we'll, we'll catch up in, in berlin in a couple of weeks right so um i will look forward to seeing you there um so um by the way folks thanks for watching. Uh, we'll be back next week. We're going to be talking about demographics. Um, demographic crisis is a big high-level economics topic, but is it the reason why there is a persistent candidate shortage, despite the fact half of Europe is re- in recession? Uh, maybe there's just simply not enough people to do the types of work that need to be done. Um, and perhaps that's because we're not producing enough people. Uh, we've got some amazing guests here. Kevin Wheeler's joining us. Letitia Vido is joining us. If you don't know Letitia, she's like, a massive sort of she's a huge hit in in looking at workforce future particularly from a feminist angle um and we've got mariano mamatimo as well joining us he's a labor market economist he's worked for Indeed, He's worked for amazon he's going to talk to us at, at on those topics gonna to be fascinating must watch if you're interested in the macro okay that's next week we'll see you then